Hello and welcome to the Matanzas Podcast, a baseball podcast. I'm Ryan Medeiros here alongside Max Tanzer. We are here bringing you baseball facts, news, and opinions from coast to coast. It's opening day eve, folks. I know it sounded a little tough to come off the tongue there. I know people don't normally call it that, but Max and I have been waiting. It's We're like kids on Christmas Eve here. Opening day eve show we are bringing you guys here. We got a ton of great stuff to talk about today. We have some news, some unfortunate stuff to start off with, with Eloy Jimenez and Kyle Lewis both landing on the IL. We have some predictions coming up for you guys in the AL West and the NL West, the final two division predictions Max and I will be making. And we have a fantasy segment sandwiched in between for you guys. Then wrapping up with the Matanzas matchup, we are having two matchups. The March segment, where we'll be talking about some opening day predictions. It's not really a you know, it's not really a March matchup, but we're making it a March matchup because we're bringing you guys the opening day eve predictions here, and we'll also be bringing some season predictions into it. So, Max, let's start off with you talking about how excited are you about opening day tomorrow? I can't wait, and I think Christmas Eve is the absolute perfect analogy for this. You know, you see the presents, you're waiting for it week by week by week as you get closer to that day. And that's the same exact thing we've seen here with spring training. We get a sneak peek at those players in their new uniforms, but we just don't know what's going to fold out when we get to the regular season. And we'll figure out tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm super excited. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot wait myself. Let's start out with some unfortunate news as I you know, alluded to earlier, Eloy Jimenez landing on the, you know, 60-day IL here, five to six months out with a torn pectoral muscle. He tried to make a lunging catch up at the wall, you know, about a week ago and tore that pectoral muscle. It's really an unfortunate thing to see, especially in spring training. You see a guy kind of giving it all, is all, you know, a guy who's had some defensive issues in the past, tries to go out and make a big play, trying to prove himself in the outfield and ends up injuring himself. So that's really unfortunate. A huge blow for the White Sox, who's supposed to be one of the, you know, the highly touted breakout players for this season. A lot of people had some huge expectations for Jimenez, but they won't get a chance to see him until probably, you know, long after the midway point. For sure, it's heartbreaking, you know, and maybe we'll see some Kyle Schwarber heroics if he can come back at some point this season. Again, it's maybe a little bit different with the pectoral muscle, and it's something you definitely don't want to see, you know, towards the end of spring training right here. Obviously, he went to try and rob a home run, and it's good to see him giving it his all, uh, but you always get a little bit, you know, anxious when you see players go back towards the wall or lay out for a ball, you know, don't want to roll over your wrist or whatever it may be, and that's the unfortunate news. Uh, What's going to be very interesting to follow here this season now is the story of Andrew Vaughn. Now, he may have made the roster either way, but they're going to put him in left field. And I was reading on it earlier this week, and this is the first time he's going to be playing left field since he was in what, high school, I believe, with Team USA. So it's going to be a very interesting experiment for them. Uh, but a really cool opportunity for Vaughn here is it's an unexpected opportunity for him to get to play every day. He probably would have been competing for a DH spot before that, as Jose Abreu obviously has first base lockdown. Uh, but not what you want to see for the White Sox. The good thing is, is they're still deep offensively, but still losing Aloy Jimenez in the middle of that order is such a big blow for them. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Tony Lewis is putting some high expectations on Vaughn in left field, said that at worst he's going to be above average, so I don't know if that's what I'd be saying if I was a manager. I'd kind of be tempering expectations, try to take some pressure off the kid, but I guess on the good side of things that it's nice to see LaRusa showing some confidence in his players. Now moving on here, another outfielder injury. This one hits home for you, Max. The Seattle Mariners center fielder, Kyle Lewis, is hitting the 10-day IL with a bone bruise in his right knee. I'm going to let you take the floor on this one because I'm sure you have heard a lot about this injury. Does it sound like something that's going to be holding him out for a long time? 
No, it does not, which is the good news, you know. And the thing that really jumped out to me at first was this was the same knee that he tore his ACL in back in 2016, the first year he was drafted. But uh, the good news is that it should only take a couple weeks. I think this is just the Mariners being cautious right here. Again, it's a very long 162-game season. And let's remember... Kyle Lewis does have a AL Rookie of the Year award, but he hasn't played a full season yet. You know, it was a 60-game season last year, came up as a September call-up, excuse me, the year prior to that. So this will be a big test for them, and I think they're really just trying to be careful with him. Um, and the story is, at least Jerry DePoto talking to the media today, did say that he should be back in a couple weeks from now. So that's some really, really good news. Yeah, adding on one more thing here, the Red Sox had a little scare of their own, my hometown team, Boston Red Sox here, you know, had a COVID scare. Matt Barnes tested positive for COVID earlier this week. People were really worried about, hey, how many pitchers is this going to take out? They were doing contact tracing. A few guys kind of disappeared from camp for a few days. But after some, you know, you know, follow-up tests for Barnes, it found out that it was actually a false positive. So it's a great news for the Red Sox bullpen. Barnes is supposed to anchor down the closer role. Right now it might be a committee between him and Ottavino, but it's certainly nice to see that this isn't going to be something that's going to be impacting the team and really would have been put a damper on opening day for the whole of baseball. Definitely, and it's a little scary, especially because these guys are with in such close contact with each other. I know the Nationals are in the middle of a little bit of a COVID scare as well right now, uh, but the good news is, is that the the rate at which players are testing positive is incredibly low, and I think baseball has done a very good job of handling that. Um, and hopefully, as we move forward here, it can continue to rise up. I know a bunch of guys are getting vaccinated now as well, which is really good to see. Yep, absolutely. And moving on here, let's get into our predictions. The American League West this week, Max, I'll let you start it out. What are your AL West predictions? So I went back and forth here, and I'm going to be curious to see what your reaction is to this because I think it could surprise you. I went, I'll start with from fifth to first, Rangers in fifth, Mariners in fourth. I know I had to do it to them. The Athletics in third, Angels in second, Astros in first. I'm going with the Angels in second here. I'll let you go and share your predictions first, but uh, you know, I think I think it's going to be interesting to talk about this one. Yeah, we get another discrepancy here. I have the Rangers in fifth, just the same as you. Mariners in fourth, unfortunately for you. Angels in third, A's in second, Astros in first. We both have Houston in first. I know we've talked about this many a time. How as much as you know, we dislike. Some of the Astros stars after what they did with the trash can banging, which I'll say every time I bring up the Astros, you guys know that by now. But uh, they have the best team, the best roster, probably the most well-rounded team. Obviously, losing Framber Valdez is huge. He was supposed to be a huge part of their rotation. But they still have good pitchers. The A's, I think, are always a solid team. I don't love their roster this year, but I never really loved their roster, and they still end up at the top of the division every year. I do have them in second, though. The Angels third to me, and I'll run through this. I, I do believe that they made some strong improvements in their rotation with the additions of Quintana Cobb and so on and so forth. That's probably it, honestly, when you really dive into it. But they made some improvements to their pitching staff with the Glacius at the back end of the bullpen. So I do think they're better in that regard. I think Otani is huge in this. and We've talked about him on last week's show. I think he's going to be a wild card for them. But I have them close with the A's. I still can't put them over the A's just because the A's every year, despite not seeming to have a great ball club, always end up playing like a great ball club. Definitely, and I think we talked about it with the Rays going back to the American League East. You can't count them out ever, and I think the A's and the Angels will be close in this case, but what I do like about the Angels right here is the additions they've made to their rotation. Jose Quintana was fantastic this th this spring, a .64 ERA where he struck out 15 hitters in 14 innings. They made some last-minute moves to their pen. I don't know how 
impactful that will be. Ciszek did have a decent spring with Houston before he was uh, or before he opted out for free agency. He'll get an opportunity here with the Angels. Tony Watson had a really difficult spring with the Phillies as well, so that's a question mark. But what I do like is the offense. I do think it's significantly better than the A's, and I think if their pitching staff, again, it's a lot of question marks, but I do think if the pitching staff can pan out and boost or make or keep the Angels offense in games, I think it could really help them out. I don't know if the Angels are a wild card team. I think the Twins are better than them, and I think there's the Rays are better than them. I think the Red Sox potentially maybe could be better than them, but I do think there's a chance that... Don't forget the Blue Jays, too. I mean, that's exactly. another team that's going to be exactly. wild card. No, definitely. And I think, but I do think that the Angels can outpace the Athletics in this case because there are some question marks, especially in the rotation. I love Bassett. Again, had a phenomenal spring. We'll be starting tomorrow on opening day. But besides that, Fires is hurt currently. Can't, I don't know what to expect from guys like Manea and Montas as well. Puck's an interesting one. He was a former first-round pick back in 2016. Uh, but, you know, he's yet to really get a full season of big league pitching under his belt. Luzardo's another guy that really has has to step up as well. So it'll be interesting to see, but I just think both are, I don't want to say limbo because the A's have made the playoffs the last couple of years and have proven that they can do it. But I do think that the A's did take some steps back this year, which does help the Angels case. Yeah, I can see you arguing that the A's will take some steps back this year, but I'm going to counter that with the fact that the A's made the postseason and ran away with that division last year with Chapman out for the majority, you know, a good portion of the season. Well, the Olsen back didn't end play was well, you know, yeah, but Olsen didn't play well at all. So I think both of those guys in full force make a huge difference for the A's in that case. I think. But like in a said, full I, season, I find though? It, yeah. I find it I find it hard to to argue against your point there because again I look at the A's roster and there's it's just it's like the Cardinals to me. The Cardinals always find a way to win. The A's always find a way to win. And the thing that you got to credit there, I think Bob Melvin is a huge Definitely. wild card in this situation. You know, not even a wild card, he's a constant. It's almost what I'm trying to say here because he always finds a way to get his teams to win. And I know that's not a great thing when we're talking about rosters and you put teams up against each other, but if we're, if we're splitting hairs here, I have the A's and the, and the Angels about two games away from each other. I just think the A's have that more constant presence in the clubhouse and have that winning pedigree that will end up you know, sending them over the Angels in the end. And I don't think that's a bad argument, because if you look at the track record, realistically speaking, over the last decade, the A's have had one of the lowest payrolls and, again, haven't necessarily had that marquee player. You could argue Josh Donaldson, but realistically, they traded him before he won an MVP with the Blue Jays in 15, but they're still always consistently there. So I think that definitely is a factor here. But I do think over a 162-game season, they are going to get tested a little bit here because I just think they don't have that starting pitching depth, or at least there's question marks in that starting pitching depth in their rotation. Yeah, they did make the, some improvements the, my, to their bullpen. Yeah. They have, they've had those rotation questions in the past, though, which is something that I really struggle with here. Every year, I, like, I'll say it once, I'll say it again, the A's every year, we always are like, you know, they're a decent club. They have some okay pieces, and they end up winning 90 games. I don't think they're going to win 90 games this year. I can see them around 87, 88, which is in the wild card hunt. I still don't think they make the playoffs. I think, like you said, they're not better than the teams like the Twins or the Blue Jays. Potentially even the Rays, I think they're kind of similar case with them. Um, you know, I, we'll, break it, we'll break down our you know, playoff predictions. We might as well add those on at the end of the show. We've talked about the standings, but I don't see the A's or the Angels as being the better team. I think that's the bottom line here when it comes down to it. Whether they finish second or third, I don't see either team making the playoffs. But let's talk about the Astros a little bit. The Astros, like we said, have a better ball club than a lot of people think. And I think a lot of that is because of bounce-back candidates like 
Carlos Correa, like Jose Altuve, who I believe will bounce back in a big way this season. I think they have some really interesting bats, underrated guys, breakout candidates in the outfield, including Kyle Tucker. I think Miles Straw will get a chance to prove himself. Michael Brantley is back on a deal after re-signing with them. I think their offense is very, very intriguing to me. I think their pitching staff is very underrated as well. You have Granke leading the way, McCullers following him, you have Jose Urquidy, you have Christian Javier, you have Jake Odorizzi now added on top. So they have rotation depth all the way through the five spot, very underrated rotation. And they have a good young pitching uh, prospects coming up. Forrest Whitley, we've been waiting for him to come up for a while now. I think he's an interesting arm. The bullpen's a little shaky, but they signed Pedro Baez. Uh, to solidify the back end of their bullpen, you know, Ryan Presley will get a chance to close for full time this season. So I think all around, they're a lot more well-rounded than people think. Definitely. And I think the big reason for that is their pitching staff and just the fact that they've lost so many of the star players that they've had in the past. And I think people underlook that. I think people see, oh, you don't have Verlander anymore, at least for this year. You don't have Garrett Cole anymore. No more Charlie Morton. So forth, the list goes on. But the reality of it is, is Zach Greinke still a very dependable pitcher. Lance McCullers, who just got an extension, was very encouraging last year. And I think the extension shows that they have faith in him to continue to bounce back and move forward. urquidy has been very solid the last couple of years. Valdez, if he could come back healthy, healthy at some point in mid in the season. He was very, very solid and showed a lot of promise last year as well. I just don't think a lot of baseball knows who these guys are, even though they made it to the seventh game of the American League Championship Series last year. But I do think it's a very, very solid and well-rounded team, and I think people will start to discover that as we get later into the season. Yeah, another guy that I forgot to mention that's going to be a huge addition to their club, even though he was with them last year, is Jordan Alvarez. He was out all of last Mm -hmm. year with the knee issues. He had one at bat. But he's going to be... Yeah, he's going to be back this year. Yeah, he's going to be back this year, and I think he could be a guy who's potential to put up 40 home runs. I don't the knee the knee issues concern me a little bit. He's looked okay in spring training, hasn't looked fantastic, but we'll see how he looks in the regular season. He's about as big of a wild card, arguably, as Shohei Otani, even for the Angels. I know Otani's got the pitching side as well, so it makes him a little bit more intriguing in that retrospect. But I think uh, Alvarez has got that potential to play to be a huge difference maker when he's healthy. No doubt about that. And I think the legs have been the biggest issue for him. I think it's been something that has been talked about ever since he's been called up. And health, 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 and health. And it's a long season. And obviously, baseball, especially for an offensive-heavy player, that's what he relies on. You need that lower half um, to get through that full season with the amount of explosive movement there is. Uh, So that'll be a big test for him. Um, So we'll see. We'll see, definitely. But I think they could do without him. But if they still can have him for a healthy 130 games or so, that could be a really big boost. Yeah, and Max, let's move on here to the last team that we're going to discuss in depth in this division. That's your Seattle Mariners. A lot of people were predicting them to be a breakout team this year. Clearly, you are not, unfortunately. I'm (laughs) going to let you delve into that and explain to all the Mariners fans out there why you do not believe in your team. Well, I, I have faith. I'll be rooting for them. I'm not saying it's impossible, but yes, it's very unlikely. (laughs) Um, I think the Astros, Angels, and Athletics are significantly better than the Mariners right now, are on a higher level right now, and that's just because they're in different spots uh, in 
their rebuild or whatever you want to call it and the point where their team is. Their priorities are different. All three of those teams want to win right now. The Mariners are still in their rebuild. They're still a couple years away. Look, the reality of it is if the Mariners really wanted to win right now, Jared Kelnick would be starting in left field on opening day, but they're prioritizing the future and that's why they're going to manipulate the service time. As much as I hate it, that is the case in this situation. I don't think the bullpen, it's better than it was last year, but it's not good enough to really argue that they have made improvements that can push them towards a wild card spot. The rotation, I think, is interesting. It's a lot of depth. I think it's one of the deepest rotations in baseball. I think people don't really recognize that, but again, very young. Justin Dunn, while he made some strides this offseason, lost a lot of weight, is in really good shape. Uh, he needs to be able to get through the lineup more than two times, really needs to work on his command. Yusei Kikuchi made improvements last year. The peripherals suggest he will be better this year, but again, we need to see it on the field, and I think there's a lot of bank guys for the Mariners right now, but that's okay. They're young. They're rebuilding. This is an opportunity for these guys to face big league pitching and play every single day throughout a long five to six month season. And that should be the priority right now for the Mariners. It shouldn't be trying to push, you know, to beat out the Astros, the Angels, or the Athletics at this point. I think the Mariners could push for it maybe next year, depending on how they spend in free agency. But realistically, excuse me, right now is not the time. Yeah, and I'm with you 100% right there. I think when you look into it in the in the off season, we had some people trying to make cute predictions. Because yes. the AL West, a lot of people, I think, thought it was a lot weaker than it actually is. And I think it's a lot of people overlooking the Astros, like you said. The A's and Angels aren't really, you know, enticing picks to win the division. They're kind of like, you know, sort of cute. Limbo. The Mariners are the... You know, the, and the Mariners were the real pick that I think people were like, oh, they have a lot of young players coming up. Like, I'll try to hop on the bandwagon and try to predict it before other people do, you know? So I think that was a lot of the reason of people picking the Mariners as maybe a sleeper team in the offseason. But I'm, I'm with you, though. I think they're a couple of years away, maybe even one year away from being a wild card. We saw the Astros come up a little bit earlier than people expected, so... I just don't think this year's the year, and I really trust your judgment. You know your team a lot better than I do, so I, I, I take what you say about your ball club as a, uh, you know, I take it, you know, I weigh it heavily because you know the players really well. You followed them meticulously in their progression through the minor leagues, so I think uh, Kelnick will be a really nice addition midway through the season, potentially. Hopefully he comes up fairly soon. I, when do you think he's coming up? It's very interesting because I was reading more on it, and the Mariners will not be sending him to the alternate site, which will be at T-Mobile Park this year. They'll be actually keeping him in Arizona to get some instructional league at-bats. Uh, as he talked to Jerry DePoto, he was actually in much better spirits, which was really encouraging for me just from a fan perspective. Uh, but they want him to get at-bats, as many at-bats as they can, and challenging at-bats, not against Logan Gilbert or George Kirby or whoever it may be, Aaron Fletcher, who he's faced 20 to 30 times in the past year because he faced them every day basically at the alternate site uh, which hopefully could possibly mean that we could see him a little bit sooner than expected and maybe he doesn't need those minor league at bats in AAA when the season does start on May 6th I believe it is if I'm correct right there uh, and maybe they can sort of uh, value those instructional league at-bats enough to give him a shot at the big leagues at maybe sometime in early May. But if they do want to give him AAA at-bats, which is definitely a possibility because they, you know, if they want to win this grievance that'll inevitably file, they're going to have to show at least at some point that he got those at-bats, then it could be as late as the end of June, which would be disappointing because he's ready now. But uh, I'm optimistic about it potentially happening at the beginning to the middle of May. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of optimism, we are moving into the first week of the fantasy baseball season. We brought you guys our first fantasy baseball segment last week. 
Well, let's get into it this week. We have our opening <laughs> week matchups. We're going to run through them. We're going to delve into them. We're going to analyze who we think is going to come out on top this week, Max. Let's start off with the first matchup, the reigning championship matchup. Heavy hitters versus the Pops Padres. Pops Padres won the last matchup to win the championship. It's going to be a hefty matchup here between arguably the two best teams in the league. So, Max, let's go into it. Who do you predict is going to win this first one and why? Well, I think the Pops Padres, you know, without a doubt here, you know, uh, coming off of the big chant. No, I'm kidding. I do think that you're favorite in this one. One, because talking to you today, I already know you're planning out all these moves, calling or bringing up Kyle Seager just to get that extra at-bat because of the day off on Friday. You know, me not being as much of a dedicated fantasy baseball manager, I never thought about that, but I guess you're right. You can pick up guys to just eat up those days off. So I'll give it to you. I think you're the most active manager in the league, and that makes you a favorite every single week. Week unless you're playing my team. I'm kidding. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I'll give it to you in that one. Oh, thank you very much. And I will run through and say I'm very excited. I'm not going to make a prediction on my matchup, and I won't make you <laughs> predict yours, but I have five opening day starting pitchers that I'm very excited about. We ran through them last week. I've had to go through some tough decisions, as you mentioned. I am weighing who I'm going to start on opening day here. Right now, I have Luis Castillo, Lucas Giolito, Jacob deGrom, Aaron Nola, and Kyle Hendricks, who I'm starting over Jack Flaherty and Dylan Bundy here. I have Bundy versus Giolito matching up against each other and Flaherty and Castillo matching up against each other. I'm choosing Giolito over Bundy. I just think he's the better pitcher in the matchup. And Bundy's also facing the White Sox lineup, which is you know a tough lineup to face. And I have uh, Flaherty on the bench, and I have Castillo in the lineup. They're both matching up against each other, and I have Castillo in there. This was a tough one for me because I think both lineups are actually kind of weak. The Cardinals, as we've talked about, don't have a great lineup, and I think the Reds don't have quite the firepower that many people think they might have. So I'm going with Castillo over this one because I have a little bit more confidence, and he's been a little more consistent in years prior. I respect it. I respect it. And, you know, it's a luxury to have that many guys. We talked about it. Uh, you know, it could go both ways when you have that many guys starting an opening day because this is a week and a half long week, which is a little bit unusual. But, you know, opening day starting at, on a Thursday makes it a little bit harder. Uh, but so now you have to balance your starts out a little bit differently versus me. I only have one opening day starter. That's Marco Gonzalez. I'll have, to, I'll have a little bit more time to think about it. But at the same time, it just shows the dominance of your rotation. Yeah, and don't sleep on the Pops Padres here. I'm looking at their roster. They also have five opening day starters. This is going to be a wild opening day for this matchup. Pops Padres have Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, Hugh Darvish, Zach Granke, and Nathan Avaldi. So that's going to be something to look out for there. And you alluded to it. Marco Gonzalez is your opening day guy for your matchup against the Tennessee Timbers, both last place teams last year, unfortunately. But it's going to be an interesting matchup. One of these teams is going to come out in first place after this week. So it's really interesting, Max. What are your thoughts on the matchup? I won't make you predict it, as I said, but are you confident going into this? I'm confident. I'm confident. And I think that I'm going to definitely be more active this year, and I'm going to be paying more attention to the league itself, and I think that'll benefit me um, in this matchup. And I'm optimistic going forward. I think Marco will have a good start um, tomorrow evening, and hopefully that will get me off to a good start. Very excited to see my offense make its debut as well. Is that something that struggled a bit last year for me? Now, my pitching staff is a whole different story for me this year, but my offense, I think, is the limelight, and if I am going to make a run, that's what I got. Jose Ramirez, Fernando Tatis, Jose Abreu, uh, Aaron Judge, Alex Bregman, the list goes on. So I'm very excited to see those guys make their debuts this year for me yeah absolutely as you should be and the timbers have three open day starters to your one scherzer 
Glass now and Marquez. So that's who the Timbers are going to be running out there. Marquez against the Dodgers in Colorado. <laughs> in Colorado, yeah. That, that could be a tough one for him. He's been His team's been riddled with injuries to start the year. He had Eloy Jimenez on his ball oh, club. No. He had Luke Voigt. Those were some of his first picks in the draft. So Zach Britton as well he drafted, who's going to be out for a little bit, amongst other guys as well. So those are the notable ones. But Timbers are off to a tough start. Hopefully they won't end up 0-1. On top of that, they added Mike Moose stock is to fill in at first base instead of Luke Voigt. So that kind of pales into your comparison at first base during MVP Jose Abreu. So hopefully that doesn't impact uh, the Timbers opening start. But yeah, I know you're looking at that and I think you're not pleased that guy's got injured, but it does help you out a little bit in this opening week. Hey, I'm a Luke Voigt fan, but if it helps me out, it helps me out. <laughs> Let's go into the last one. We're impartial in this one. Yajits, who finished in second last year in the friend division, and Kershaw Shank Redemption, who finished third in the league, first in his division. So Redemption, I would say, is the favorite in this one. He's been one of our better players in the league in the past. But Yajits has made some interesting moves. He's picked up some sleeper players, so hopefully some guys can get off to a hot start. Who do you see coming out in this one? I'll go I'll go with redemption here. One I feel like I'm kind of rivals with the Adjeets now. We got the trash talk going. <laughs> but more realistically here, I like he's going to get off to a good start. I think all three of his opening day starters in Kershaw, Ryu, and Bassett should perform very well uh, tomorrow. Ryu gets the Yankees offense might be a little bit more difficult, but I still think he can hold them pretty tight. But then again, that's just the first day, so we'll see. He might get off to a hot start and run with it. But then again, Yadjeets has Woodruff, Maeda, and Freed going as well. So it's a pretty good start for both ends. Yeah, absolutely. And looking into Kershaw Shank Redemption here, he was dealt a huge blow when one of his keepers, Kirby Yates, went down with Tommy John yes. surgery. We didn't allude, we didn't talk about that earlier in the show, but this is a huge blow for not only him, but the Blue Jays as well. He picked up Jordan Romano, who should fill in at the closer's role, so he might get some save opportunities. A great deal for him would be if Ryu closes out, or uh, Ryu has a great start and Romano closes yes. out the ball game against the Yankees to start out on opening day. Did he pick up Yates? to keep him or did he have him the whole entire he, year last year he had yates uh he saved yates the whole yates was he just on his year. il okay okay interesting yeah on his il yeah he Man. was a big keeper he was, he was high on yates so that's tough that's tough you gotta be cautious with guys like that but it happens it's disappointing for sure especially for the blue jays as well i was excited to see kirby yates get to pitch again this year it's a shame it happened yeah. so soon too yeah, you talked about redemptions, three opening day starters, Jate, uh, Yeats, excuse me, Yeats, gosh, yeah, Jeets, that's that's a tongue twister if I've ever heard one, but uh, yeah, Jeets has three opening day starters of his own, Brandon Woodruff, Kenta Maeda, and Max Fried. that's a nice opening day rotation there, that might even rival redemptions opening day starter starting rotation. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I'm... Um... You know, I gave him Brandon Woodruff and what ended up being quite a lopsided trade, but uh, hopefully my choice to keep Corbin Burns will pay off in the long run. Yeah, we'll see how it goes on this opening day. Let's head into our NL West predictions, our last division predictions, Max. Who do you have coming out on top on the NL West? Let's start from fifth place. All right, so I got the Rockies in fifth after what was a very difficult offseason. D-backs and Giants in fourth and third, respectively. I think they'll be close. I like the moves that the Giants made this offseason. And then Padres in second, Dodgers in first. Again, that's going to be an incredibly tight race. I think it could end either way, but I do think the Dodgers are a step higher just because of the amount of depth they have overall. You know, we were talking about pitching depth with a couple of other teams just about 10 minutes ago, but the Dodgers have depth everywhere, uh, which is crazy to me the closest thing we've seen to a super team if it's not even considered a super super team yet excuse me uh who do you got 
Yeah, I have the Rockies in fifth place, the Giants in fourth place, the Diamondbacks, our favorite. You know, we had our <laughs> first uh, first ever show. We predicted them as a sleeper team, a team to look out for. It didn't work out too well, but I'm going with them again in third place over the Giants. I don't mind it. That's probably the most compelling decision of these standings as I have the Padres in second and the Dodgers in first, as you do. I have them very close, though. I have the Dodgers. I'm projecting them to win, a, you know, 102-ish games, and the Padres about 100. So they're pretty close, in my opinion, a lot closer certainly than it was last year despite the Padres breaking out but I still can't have them usurping the Dodgers for that number one spot in the division I still think they're a force to be reckoned with even their 26th man on their roster Zach McKinnistry who just made their team as a utility guy is a very very good player and they have so many good guys in the Myers I mean this is a team that doesn't even have David Price Tony Gonsolin exactly. those guys aren't even in the rotation they're in the bullpen so much depth in the rotation bullpen, lineup, depth, all around. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, dominance is the best way to put it. There's not much more to add. I'm excited to see Gavin Lux get to play a full season, hopefully at second base this year as well. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch them for sure over in Chavez Ravine. Yeah, and the Padres, let's get into them a little bit. Really dominant team as well, and we have them. I, I think it goes more to, the, to say about the Padres, the fact that we have them so close to the Dodgers. We just talked about how great the Dodgers are. The fact that we have the Padres so close to them is really a credit to all the work that A.J. Preller did this offseason, adding Joe Musgrove, adding Blake Snell, adding you Darvish. Those three will make up the bulk of their rotation pitch, the bulk of their starting innings, hopefully if they stay healthy this season. Those guys will play a huge role. You got to hope for the health of Denelson Lamette. He's a huge wild card in this scenario, uh, but he seems like he's coming into the season fairly healthy. Got to start in a couple, you know, he got a little couple innings pitched to finish out spring. We'll see how he fares to start the season. But if not, they have great pitching prospects coming up. Mackenzie Gore, Ryan Weathers, guys on the cups, cusp of greatness heading into the big leagues. So they have depth in that area. The bullpen's very good. Should be interesting to see the backheaded. Uh, back end of the bullpen for the Padres. Who ends up closing? Is it Melanson? Is it Pomerantz? Is it Pagan? Is it, is it a committee? Either way, those three guys are very solid. They've got a lot of enticing arms. Austin Adams, who they acquired from your Mariners, <laughs> who I think is an interesting guy. But it should be interesting to see. The lineup is very, very good. We don't have to delve totally into that. Tatis, Machado, Hosmer even. You can look at Grisham as a breakout candidate. Very, very good guys all around. Definitely. I mean, you said it all, you know, and I think if you have an off season of the caliber that AJ Preller had, you'd expect, all right, we're pushing for a division right here, which the Padres are, don't get me wrong. But when you have Goliath in front of you, like the Los Angeles Dodgers, it's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, But the good news is, and I say this with the National League East as well, you play those guys 19 times a year. So in a way, both of these teams can control their own destinies uh, if they could take care of those ball games. Those are going to be very, some very tight ball games as well. What I like about what Preller did as well is this isn't just a one-year rental type offseason. He was looking towards the future, and you still have guys like Clevenger to come back. If if Lamette has some setbacks, you still have him going into the future as well. But then you have your guys right now like Darvish and Snell and Musgrove and so forth who can make an impact right now. And as you said, you have Weathers and Gore on the horizon. Uh, it's such a complete team not just for right now, but three, four years into the future. And that's why I think it's so bright for the Padres right now. And this is just the beginning. We're talking about the Padres potentially going to a World Series this year, at the very least potentially winning a pennant, which I think they're absolutely capable of if they could take over the Dodgers. But this is just the start. You know, they're Three, four years from now, the Padres will still be pushing for a World Series and arguably could be the best team in baseball. 
no doubt about it. And let's head into this third and fourth place battle in the division. I have the Diamondbacks going over the Giants. I don't know if I love this pick. It might have been more of a throwback pick for me to yes. kind of make a joke about last year. But the Diamondbacks, are, I think, are a little underrated. They're certainly not going to contend with the Dodgers or the Padres. But look, I mean, I think Madison Bumgarner's got to step back or got to step forward to where he was you know, a while ago, not even a while ago, really, he only had one bad year, and I think yeah. people have forgotten about him. He's a really interesting guy to take a look at here. No, definitely, and I think I think that they're still quite young, but they still have some of their core left, and Eduardo Escobar, if he could bounce back, remember, go back to a couple of years ago, had a really fantastic season. I believe he was in the top of the league in doubles as well and home runs. Uh, of course, Tim LaCastro, we can't forget about him. But more realistically <laughs> here, Ketel Marte, I expect to bounce back as well as a guy who was an MVP candidate in 2019 who I absolutely think can put up those same numbers again. And one of the most dynamic players in baseball, you talk about five tools, you know, the defense may be the only question mark for him, but he has the versatility, he has the speed, the pop, can hit for average as well, which I think is invaluable in this game right now, especially because, you know, we don't have as many of those dynamic players anymore. They added Soria to their bullpen, who was good with the A's last year, but again, he's getting older and through a full season, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but still, you know, Merrill Kelly, Caleb Smith, Luke Weaver, all guys who are young and I think have been a little bit fickle the last couple years, but if they could take a step forward, we'll see. I still think the Diamondbacks are a couple years away. I like the Giants in this case, and again, I think I think they're very close. I think I don't want to say it's a coin flip between the two teams finishing third and fourth, but I like the Giants because of the moves they made this offseason, adding Tommy Listella, of course. Donovan Solano will get a chance to play a full year. That'll be a very interesting storyline. Buster Posey will be back. I don't know really what to expect from him. Um, but you still got guys like Alex Dickerson. Of course, Yastrzemski really stepped up last year, was an MVP candidate through the first half of the season. Uh, brought back Gossman, who I think is a really underlooked pitcher coming into this year. Really shined last year, bringing in Alex Wood as well. Going to take a test with Aaron Sanchez. Anthony Desclafani, if you take away last year, was again a very dependable pitcher for the Reds just a couple years ago. I think they're a pretty solid team, and I think they'll compete You know, and be a fun team to watch. They were a game out of the playoffs last year, uh, but, you know, they're very similar to the D-backs in this situation. I think that they have a competitive team to put on the field, but nothing more than that. Yeah, very similar is a good description in this scenario, but it hasn't been the case overall in the talk of baseball throughout the offseason. I think people have talked about the Giants as kind of a sneaky pick, but no one's really mentioned the Diamondbacks, which is kind of unfortunate for the Diamondbacks because, like you said, I think they're very similar, and they're both teams that could potentially win mid-80s games on the high end and on the I'd low end. I'd say like 76, 77 is a realistic you know. Yeah, realistic I, I would say, yeah. If everything goes right, potentially they could end up in that mid-80s range. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. But yeah. I think likely they're probably just a, both just a little under 500 to finish here. I think, like you said, you went through it all. Mike Kostremski is a huge guy that I really like heading into the season. I do believe his breakout is, is, is the real deal. I think he's really changed his swing up since his minor league days. He spent forever in the minor league, so it's nice to finally see him break out, especially with his namesake, Carl Ostremski, his grandfather, Definitely. the family blood there. So it's nice to see that in the game. It's a nice story. I think it's interesting for the Giants. They kind of have their, their last group of their co last year with their core together, so to speak. Buster Posey's in his walk year. Brandon Belt's in his walk year. Brandon Crawford's in his walk year. These are guys who've been together forever. I mean, what, since 2012, most likely, I think, was the first year they won the World Series as a group. They won I again in 2014. Yeah, I'm not sure if they were all up at that point, were they? I know Posey obviously Posey was. Posey was. But. I don't think Belt's was, or Crawford. You're right. The first time they went together, I believe, was 12. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see them. The Giants are going to have a ton of money to work with heading into next offseason. So with all the shortstops going to be available, we'll see if Lindor is available. He hasn't got that extension yet, so <laughs> he could be a guy the Giants might look at. Corey Seager, Trevor Story, take him from his own division. Rockies who are going to lose well over 100 games this year, if that's my prediction for them, unfortunately. But uh, the Rockies are the fifth-place team in this division for me. And the Giants and Diamondbacks, look out for them. You never know. They could be at least a little bit competitive and fun for their fan bases to watch as fans return to the ballparks. Definitely, that's what you want to see. You know, I'd compare their offseason. Maybe it wasn't as active as the Kansas City Royals, but they still made moves to just try and fill in some gaps and put some competitive players on the field. You know, I don't think they needed to go out and get Tommy Listella because let's be realistic, they're probably not going to push for a playoff spot this year, but they're trying to put a competitive team out on the field that produces a good product and they'll be a good team to watch this year. And let's not forget, you know, maybe they are confident in themselves. They did finish a game out of the playoff spot last year and maybe moving forward here, they're just trying to push forward here um, and create some or generate some um, entertainment and attention towards uh, San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of playoff predictions and playoff spots, let's do our playoff predictions. We have five team, you know, each league has five teams to make the playoffs. It's a switch up from last year. Normally that would be the expectation, but last year we had a lot more teams making the postseason. So Max, who are your five teams you expect to make the playoffs? I'm putting you kind of on the spot here because we didn't originally have this uh, listed in our show script, but we got to do it now because it's opening day eve. We got to make it. our predictions. What are your playoff predictions? All right, I got this. I got this. All right, so I have the Astros winning the West. Um, in the Central, the White Sox. In the East, the Yankees. My wild card will be the Blue Jays and the Twins. I don't quite have an idea of who will win that yet, but those are my five teams. Oh, and, gosh. No, we have the same ones. All right. That's all right. Spoiler, all right. But. Then in the National League, I have the Dodgers winning the West, uh, the Cardinals in the Central, and then in the East, I have the Braves, and the wild card game will be the Padres hosting the Mets. Oh, that's brutal. No way. Sorry, folks. No, no shockers here. We literally oh. have the same teams making the playoffs. It's not <laughs> too shocking. I feel like the teams, based on what we've talked about, in the National League especially, are kind of the bona fide expected playoff teams. The Mets and the Padres, we have, we're both division, you know, potentially teams that could win their own divisions respectively, but they, they're likely going to be the wild card teams. That's not a shocker if they are. The Phillies are quite a step down from the Mets. The Brewers are quite a step down from the Cardinals. Actually, let me rephrase that. The Brewers are quite a step down from the other wild card teams, so yes. they're not going to really be in a hunt to me if they don't win the division. Uh, we already decided that we both have the Cardinals in first place in the NL Central, and the Padres and Dodgers are really close. They're going to be a playoff team no matter what, and as we just mentioned, Diamondbacks, Giants, interesting teams, but not really close. Who is your third? Let me ask you then. Who is your third team? Like, If there was a third wild card, who would be your third team? I think for the National League, you could see whether the Cubs or the Brewers, one of those teams. I want to say the Phillies for my boy Lucas sitting to my left here. I don't know because I think it's going to be tough facing both the Braves and the Mets that amount of times uh, this season. What is it going to be? 19 times 2 is what? I, I can't do the mental math here, but something like tw <laughs> 38 times or something like that I think is the number. Yeah, right there, there you, you got it. I got, got it. it. Look, we're getting better right here. All right, all right. And then in the American <laughs> League, um, I think the Indians will push and then the Angels and the Athletics will push as well, I think, but I don't think they'll 
come out and victorious in the end. The Rays as well. I can't forget about the Rays. And I, you know, I gave some love to the Red Sox during the offseason as well. So I think I think the American League has a lot more options. I think there will be a lot of there will be more competitive balance in the National League. I think it's almost really decided. Besides maybe the Central and who wins that division. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think the National League heading into the season, oddly enough, is almost set in terms of its playoff Definitely. teams. But the AL, the American League, I think is a lot more in, in flux. I think it's we still talked about kind how the of... division, yeah, we talked about how the division, each division almost is kind of questionable. I know we had the Yankees as the favorite in the American League East, but the Blue Jays could make a push. I think it's going to be very competitive with the next three teams, Blue Jays, Rays, and Red Sox. Definitely. So we'll see. I think all those teams are capable for pushing for the wild card. I think in the Central, we talked about how close the Twins and the White Sox are. I think... Whatever team doesn't win that division will be the wild card team. The Indians, I think, will make a push as well, maybe for that second spot. But you can't put them over the Twins or the Blue Jays, in my opinion. The Blue Jays' offense is just too much of a force. I do think their pitching is really questionable and suspect. But we'll see. I have those two teams, as we talked about, in the wild card spots. But unfortunately, again, for the viewer or the listener, we don't have any discrepancies or differences in our projections. But it talk, you know, we have that connection. I think we talk about uh, what makes us special on the show. I think our minds, great minds think alike is what I'm trying to get at here. So, <laughs> so that was good. I think uh, you know, finding common ground is always a good thing. And it shows that we're on the same page. And I think, if anything, could make you, you guys feel confident that uh, Definitely. these teams are going to be the playoff teams. Let's hope so. Put your money on it right now. Well, hopefully we have some discrepancies here in the awards predictions. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. This one's definitely yeah, we'll, more, more subject to have some differences. We'll see. As Max alluded to, the Batanzaris matchup. We have a couple matchups this week. We'll start out with the awards predictions, as you just mentioned. So we'll start out with that one. Uh, for the season matchup, we have... MVPs, Cy Youngs, Rookie of the Year, and Breakout Players. Those are our four combinations. Now, I know it's really hard to predict these, and we've talked about it in the past, but we're doing this for the matchup as a way of creating a little bit more excitement and seeing how smart Max and I really are. If we really have <laughs> our, uh, our, our minds in a, in a whole str another stratosphere, if we get these right, we're going to be famous. So we might as well make these predictions to see if we end up getting them right here. But let's start out, Max. MVPs, let's start out American League and National League. Who do you got? Okay, so I was going to go with Mike Trout, but I thought that was too easy. Mike Zanino. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mike you know, Zanino. Well, that was way <laughs> too easy, right? No, but I'm going to go with Aaron Judge here. I think that the Yankees need him, and if he could stay healthy, I think when he is healthy, he's one of the best players in Major League Baseball. There was a little bit of a scare last week as he was not in the lineup for the back four end of or back four games of spring training but it ended up being that he just wasn't feeling well he is expected to start tomorrow for opening day and again if he's healthy I think he transcends this Yankees team makes them even better than they were and look the big story I feel like the last couple of years is that he's been able to be healthy for the playoffs but it's been quite last minute I think it would be a completely different Aaron Judge if he could be healthy through the remainder of the season sort of get into a groove a little bit and not have to put the gas or put the foot on the gas pedal immediately you know two weeks before the playoffs start um, and I think he could put up MVP numbers like he did in 2017 
Yeah, I like that pick. It's almost kind of a sneaky pick, but it's hard to say that when when you have such a great player as Judge, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I appreciate you having the confidence in him. And you know, for the Seattle He's Sabres, due. you better hope. Yeah, you better Definitely. hope for your fantasy team that he has a great year. But I'm so. going to be boring here. I'm going to go with Mike Trout. It sounds like the obvious pick, but it's really not because a lot of people think it's so obvious that they don't end up picking him. Here's why I believe in Trout this year. I read about how he was really disappointed yeah, with his yeah. season last year. A down year for Mike Trout is about a 996 OPS, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. But <laughs> for him, it is. His OPS has been above 1,000 for the past, what, four or five years. So I believe he's going to be have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, if that's even possible, for the greatest player of our generation. But I believe he's going to have a fantastic year this year. He's changed up the swing a little bit. He said he struggled getting his timing down, believe it or not, last year. So he's made some minor adjustments. I believe he's just going to have an amazing year. Potentially, I might go out and say this, potentially the greatest year of Mike Trout's career coming up. So we'll see. That might be a bold statement. But after making an obvious, sort of an obvious claim, I'm going to make a bold statement there. Mike Trout's best year of his career. MVP season. He's not going to finish second this year like he has twice in the past and top three probably four times in the past. So I think he's going to win another MVP here to add to his sterling resume. Definitely. It says a lot when the best player on the planet says he wasn't feeling right last year and had the numbers that he had and then has now finally figured it out. So we'll see if that's the case this year. Either way, I think we're going to get an MVP caliber season but maybe we will get that extra step up that you're alluding to my National League MVP here I feel like I feel like this might be a sneaky pick but at the same time I think this guy has been destined to win an MVP again when healthy for a very long time now I'm gonna go with Corey Seager right here he had a tremendous spring was really good last year with the Dodgers of course and I think for him if he could play a full season again I'm going with guys who have been able to play full seasons in quite a while and Aaron Judge and Corey Seager but you know he's on the best team in baseball right now which maybe might not make him the most quote quote valuable in that case but that's not how it's voted on I do think he's capable of being the best player in baseball at a premier position as well going into his walk year uh, heading into free agency as well and there's no extension as of now with the Dodgers so I think he has a lot to play for I think he has a lot to prove and I think he'll ride that momentum from the postseason from spring training into the regular season yeah I love that pick and I'm certainly hoping for that as well because I have him (laughs) on the heavy hitter so that would be nice for me but I'm going with Juan Soto here. I think he had a fantastic year last year, didn't get the MVP votes, would have been the MVP if he didn't have that, I think it was a false positive last year of COVID that took him off the first week of the season. But I, I, I think he's fired up. I think it's just the time for him. He's only been getting better. He came in as such a young player with such a disciplined plate approach. The defense isn't fantastic, which might hurt him compared to a guy like Moogie Betts, who just plays fantastic all-around baseball. He has had a great spring training. He's hit 182, but who cares? It's Juan Soto. He's 20 yes. years old, one of the best hitters at that age since Ted Williams, probably. Look at all the numbers, all the stats. You can compare them. It's well-warranted. He's a fantastic player. Look at last year. 1185 OPS, just absolutely ridiculous numbers. Now, do I think he can sustain that for a whole season? No, but if he can be 90% of that, I think he's definitely an MVP favorite. No doubt, and I think a couple years from now, if not already, he will be one of the best players or best hitters on the planet. I think I think we could see early 2010s Miguel Cabrera type numbers from him, and he already sort of gave us a tease of that last year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he shows us that here in 2021. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's get into the Cy Youngs here, Max. Who do you have in the American League? 
yeah, people are going to think I'm like a Yankees fan now or something. I am going with Garrett Cole as my Cy Young here. Garrett Cole, it's an interesting story last year. He was very good last year, don't get me wrong, but he's always been a guy who's taken a little bit of a while to get into a groove, and I think the 60-game season hurt him in that regard last year, and I think he'll have a full season under his belt. I think that, again, I think this is the year of the Yankees. I don't know if they'll win the World Series because the Dodgers are just such a dominant team. My World Series prediction is the Dodgers over the Yankees. It might be an easy pick. My point here is, is I do think this is where everything's going to come together. I think Garrett Cole, if he wasn't using any substances, I, 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 I know there's all those rumors this past offseason. I still think he's the real deal. Had a very good spring as well. Um, and I think over a long season, we'll be able to put up the numbers that he did with the Astros back in 2018 and 19. Yeah, I really like that pick. I think you make a great point to stand up for your argument. I'm just going to go with just about the best pitcher in baseball last year, Shane Bieber, which almost sounds like it should be an obvious pick, but with Cole, who I think might even be more favorite, I know Lucas Giolito has been a huge favorite in this argument, but I think Shane Bieber, over the course of a full season, he was just so dominant last year. I know some people were concerned about his really blow-up start in the playoffs Excuse me, against the Yankees. But I think he's just got the dominance. He's got the stuff to win a back-to-back Cy Young Awards. And I really don't have that much more to say. He's just so dominant on the mound that I think he's going to keep it rolling into this season. Definitely. I I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I considered it myself. And I think, in a way, he might have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as well. It's the same case with Trevor Bauer. I think a lot of people argued you played in the central pod, which was weaker, and it was a 60-game season, I think he may be coming into 2021 with something to prove here, which is crazy to say, but that's the reality of it. Yep, and heading into the National League, who do you have? I have Jacob deGrom. Going to get number three right here. Without a doubt, in my opinion, the best pitcher on this planet across the entire globe. I think the Mets obviously had that incredible offseason, but the one constant for them will always be Jacob deGrom. And I don't know, you know, It's so special to watch him, and the fact that he's coming to spring training hitting 101-102 consistently, and like you said about Mike Trout, it seems like he's found a way to get better, is scary for that National League East. I definitely think he's going to run away with that Cy Young Award. And no doubt about it, I'm going to go with a bit of a sleeper pick here. Johnny Cueto for the Giants. I, wow! Uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to see your reaction. Oh my God! I was gonna <laughs> that, say that was that was well worth it. You should have seen you should have seen Max's face. I was like, but, uh, oh my God! <laughs> I was gonna see if you were tra- gonna try and say you. something nice. I'm not nice even kidding you. Me. I actually thought that you were meeting that. Oh my goodness! Okay. All right. Who do you actually have? <laughs> All right. I have Jacob Degrom as well. I was okay. trying to create a little excitement because I knew I had the same pick as you. DeGrom, like you said, if he had won last year, which I think there was an argument in a case to be made that he could have won the Cy Young last year over Trevor Bauer, who was using foreign substances all season. <laughs> no evidence to totally suggest that, but there's been, and it, that's another interesting argument for another day, but not much more add on to what Max said. The best pitcher on the planet. I think he's only getting better. Barring any injury, God forbid anything ever happens to this guy, this is a huge year for him in the Mets, and I really hope finally he gets some run support on the mound this season. Oh, it looks like he will. All right, so my American League Rookie of the Year award, this was this one was hard for me. One, I wanted to go with Kelnick, of course, but I just don't know when he'll be up, and if he comes up in June, which is possible, I don't think he wins the Rookie of the Year award. 
I thought about Bobby Dalbick because of the spring he's had, and he was very good in his sample size last year with the Red Sox as well. But I'm going to go with Andrew Vaughn right here. Um, again, I think it's a very interesting story. I think it's a sneaky one. And again, throwing a guy in an unfamiliar position definitely does not help. But I think he could really step up for the White Sox here. And I think his role is that much more amplified because of the Jimenez injury. So I think there will be a lot of attention on him. And if he steps up, I think that could be a really, really cool and special story here in 2021. Yeah, I really like that pick. I'm going to go with a guy you just mentioned, Bobby Dahlbeck. i got to make a hometown pick sometime yes. in this show. So Definitely. I'm picking Bobby Dahlbeck. He's had an amazing spring. I don't think he's going to have quite the same success in the regular season he had in the spring because he's been just so great. I think he's got a lot of swing and miss concerns. But even if he strikes out 180 times and hits 35 home runs, it's going to be hard for him not to win the rookie of the year with those type of numbers. I think he'd have an OPS hovering around mid-800. So with the 35 home runs, 850-ish OPS, playing pretty solid defense. The athletic guy, I think he can play well at first base. That's a very valuable player, and I think it's a rookie of the year. Who do you have in the National League? Pride of Washington. My National League, I think we might have the same one here. Um, Cabrian Hayes is who I'm going to go with, who had a really good spring, hit 431 and 51 at-bats, like 745. Uh, and then if you go back to 2020, where he didn't actually gain rookie eligibility, so he sustained that rookie um, rookie standards going into 2021, had a 1-9 war in 24 games, hit 376, 5 homers, 11 RBIs. I think he'll continue to ride that into 2021. And I think he's a really underlooked player. Again, I think people are starting to remember the name a little bit here because he had such a great spring. But I don't even think, you know, he got Rookie of the Year votes last year, I believe, for the small sample size he had. And I think he's a really fun player to watch moving forward. Yeah, I was thinking about Hayes, and I do think he's the favorite in this case, but I'm going to try to go with somebody a little bit different here. I think Dylan Carlson's finally okay. going to get a chance to prove that he can be an everyday of impact player for the St. Louis Cardinals. They've needed a solid bat in the four or five spot in their lineup for a while. They provide some length for their lineup, and I think Carlson can do just that. He struggled coming up last season in a kind of a tough spot with the Cardinals playing two double headers in the first two days in return from the COVID outbreak on their team. So he's put in a tough spot there. But I think Carlson can provide a huge boost to their lineup. He, he picked it up down the stretch when he came back up for them, played well in his limited, in a limited sample size in the playoffs. So I think Carlson's a guy to keep an eye on for the Cardinals. Two guys in the NL Central we picked, which in kind of a boring division could be exciting for those teams heading into the 2021 season. Definitely. Who you got for your breakout players? Speaking of breakouts, I mean, we were just talking about breakout players for Rookie of the Year. Who do you have for breakout players? Okay, I have two. My first one here is Nick Solak. He's a guy the Rangers acquired at the trade deadline a couple years ago. Had a good spring, hit 313, an OPS of 949. He'll get in a lot more opportunities to play some second base this year with the Rangers DFAing Rugnet Odor. Um, and again, as a guy who's been always known as an offensive plus guy, the defense is still going to be a question mark here. Has played all around the diamond, some outfield as well last year. Uh, but I think he's a guy to watch out for for the Rangers right here, a guy I think they'll value moving forward. Again, the power numbers were down last year, but did hit four home runs this spring. And I think he'll you know, he'll he'll be he'll benefit from being able to play a full season here and in a low pressure environment. Another guy, you might have talked about him, Akil Badu of the Tigers was a rule five pick who has made the roster, of course, um, because if the Tigers did not put him on their 26-man roster. He would be sent back. But uh, really, really good numbers this spring. And again, I don't think they'll translate as much into 2021. But a guy to look out for has a lot of swagger, hit five homers, 11 RBIs in spring training, an OPS of 1,210. Um, I don't expect that to carry on its way into 2021. But 
definitely a fun guy to look at who had a really good spring that I think was underlooked just because he's on a very uh, quiet and young uh, Detroit Tigers team. Yeah, I went a little bit of a different route than you with this one with my first pick, but Kyle Tucker to me is a guy who's just on the cusp of greatness. I think he's had fantastic minor league numbers throughout his career. He hasn't quite broke out at the big league level. Last year was somewhat of a breakout for him. He was in the gold glove conversation. He hit well at the plate, drove in a lot of runs for the Astros, but he hasn't done it over a full season. I think he can even take another step. I think he's capable of being a five to six war player, which is a above all-star level caliber player. That's on the fringe of MVP conversation for for a guy like that, of that stature. But I think uh, Tucker's a guy who's just waiting to break out, and I think he's going to have a huge year this year for Houston, maybe a 30-30 season on the high end for him, 35-35. I think he's got that potential with 35 home runs, 35 stolen bases. He's got the speed. He's got the pop. He's just got to put it all together, and he certainly has the tools to do that. My National League pick here, I know you didn't do National League, but I'm going, I, I went with one division, other, one league, other league. Lucas Sims, to me, is finally going to mm-hmm. get, get a chance to prove. Yes. I, I almost want to go with a tandem pick here with Amir Garrett and Lucas Sims. Both of them are going to get a chance to close at the back end of games for the Reds. I know Garrett wants it really bad, which is why I almost feel bad leaving him out of this. But I think Lucas Sims last year had dominant stuff. He hasn't got a chance to do it over a full season. Converted from the starting rotation to the bullpen. I think he could be a dominant closer if he puts it all together. He had 34 strikeouts and 25 and a third and two-thirds innings last year, so he's got the swing and miss stuff. I think it, it, he has dominant closer type stuff, and I think he's going to get a chance to do that this season. I know Garrett, again, like I mentioned, isn't going to be too happy about not getting to close, but I think Sims has definitely got the capability to run away with the job. Definitely another guy on that team that I probably, if I remembered him, probably would have put on this list as well um, is Tyler Maley. Um, I think he's a guy who really took a big step forward last year, 3.59 ERA in 47 innings, um, and a guy who I think will get more opportunities to start this year, uh, and is something to, a guy to definitely keep a keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, and to add on here, our second part of the Matanzas matchup. I know our last one we were taking, we were going in depth with our picks, so we'll run through this one quickly tomorrow on opening day. We're making our March Matanzas matchup predictions. I know, again, like I said, they're in April, but we're making them here. In March, so it counts for March, over under one and a half opening day wins for the Mariners and the Red Sox. So essentially, will the Mariners and Red Sox both win on opening day, Max? What do you have? <laughs> I, I'm i going to say that the Red Sox and the Mariners both get these wins right here. Again, I'm biased, uh, but the Red Sox are playing an Orioles team that obviously is not the most competitive team in baseball right now. The Mariners and Giants will be a much more even matchup, but I got to side with my boy Marco Gonzalez. Kevin Gossman's definitely going to be a tough task for the Mariners' offense tomorrow, but the Mariners, I saw a stat today, not that it matters because every year is a different year, but they've won, I think it's 59% of their opening day games over the last two decades, so hopefully they can keep that going. I'm going to be uh, pessimistic no. here and go with no, unfortunately. No. I- I'm not going to say who's going to win, who's going to lose. I think... I'm not going to say both of them lose. I think one of them ends up on top here, but unfortunately, both teams are not going to win well, tomorrow. Well, if one's going to win, it's going to be the Red Sox. I, I mean, Red Sox are favored, at least in that ball game. but hopefully the Mariners can pull this one off as well. Marco Gonzalez I'm, I'm, loves to pitch I'm at home, too. I'm going to be rooting for both teams, but I got to, uh, hopefully, I'm glad that we, we had a difference here because I got to pull even with you at some point. So <laughs> for our second question, let's see if we end up having the same ones here. Will any player record four or more hits or 10 or more strikeouts? So the pitching and hitting side in this one, but it's only got to be one or the other. Okay, so I can't say both. Okay, well, I 
Oh, well, so it, it's yes or no. It's yes or no. So it could be if any player gets four more hits and you say yes, then you get it. Oh, okay. If any player has more, 10 or more strikeouts, you get it. My fault. I thought you were saying you can't have one player get four more hits and a pitcher strike out more than 10 batters. It has to be one or the other. I say yes. I definitely think there will be a pitcher who strikes out 10 plus batters. Four hits, I think, is definitely possible, but I definitely would side with the 10 plus strikeouts in this case. I'll go with no again. Again, I'll okay. be pessimistic, but uh, you know, I'm glad that we're we're switching things up here. I'm gonna try and pull even. I'm not gonna be rooting against anybody who's close, but hopefully, it makes it exciting for our matchup in that case. Last up, we have kind of a fun one here, Max. Will a pitcher homer? Now, this one's got a few layers. I know you were talking about. There's a possibility that the DH <laughs> could be implemented in the National League. Last year, you pulled up a very enticing tweet by you, Darvish. Maybe not so enticing, but he did say he was confident that the league would do the right thing in this case, which to him would be implementing the designated hitter. But will a pitcher homer tomorrow, Max? Yes or no? No, even if there is no universal DH implemented, I'd don't see it happening um again it's so rare but if it happens i'll be happy because you love to see it uh and again i don't know if major league baseball implement a universal dh by tomorrow the only reason why i think it could be possible is because of the un or because the expanded playoffs that was implemented about two hours before that yankees nationals game but then again um teams have designed their rosters in the national league to not have a dh so it would be pretty wild for rob manfred and the rest of major league baseball to have them switch that up in the last second yeah, we have our same answer here. I, I While I am optimistic with Madison Bumgarner on the plate that something <laughs> exciting could happen tomorrow, probably not against you, Darvish. I think Darvish is too uh, too locked in to let something like that happen. Not that other pitchers haven't been. I think you, Darvish, is going to be well aware with Bumgarner on the plate, especially not being able to bat in a long time. He's going to be gripping and ripping there. But other than that, I think pitchers are eager to prove themselves. Some are, some aren't. I know Adam Wainwright has been a guy who's been very vocal about wanting to hit this season and prove that pitchers can hit, but I'm going to go with no on this one and be negative on all my answers for the Matanzas matchup of March. Hey, you know what? April. If it gets you the points, it gets you the points. I, I, want, I want this to be tighter, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, alrighty, that's going to wrap up our show today. We thank you guys so much for tuning in here on opening day eve. It's going to be so much fun. Make sure to stay tuned as we'll give you all the baseball news, information, opinions, highlights, everything you need to know. For Ryan Madeiras, I'm Max Tanzer. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.